Hey, welcome to Stirring Faith with Cherry Strange. Thank you for joining me today. Stirring Faith aims to lead women to desire more of God in their everyday life, making Him evident and desirable to others. Now, let's get started. Hey there, I'm Cherry Strange, your host. As you may know, we have a large family. Six kids are still in the home full-time, and often the other two are here, as they were this past week. And as you might predict, we have multiple bathrooms in our house for all these people. It's not a new house. Our climate is humid, and we don't pay people to clean our bathrooms. Everyone is responsible for the bathroom that they are assigned to. If you can imagine, those are the makings of mold, mildew, and general bathroom ickiness when you think about the overall bathroom hygiene. My people are pretty good at giving it a regular good spray down, but there is not scrubbing and elbow grease involved. On top of our negligence, the climate helps encourage the mold to flourish. I must say, it is a problem we inherited when we purchased the house. There's already some there. <laughs> In the master, across the past four years, I have had a terrible time extinguishing it. I've tried all sorts of things. I've bought different products, promising this or that, to wands, sticks, even straight up bleach. I've just poured bleach all over it. But these efforts were to no avail until I discovered this one particular product. I purchased it locally, trying to add it to my tried and failed arsenal. I realized it was effective, and it was so effective, I went back and bought about four more bottles. But then Corona hit. Gone was my amazing find. Cleaning supplies of all kinds disappeared. And since then, I have not been able to even get it from the amazing Amazon. <laughs> Nowhere can I find this product. I love the product because it is what it claims to be and does what it claims to do. I am convinced of the value, the effectiveness, and believe it is the only way to remedy my problem and offer me a workable solution. Maybe you felt this way about a particular solution in your everyday life as I have. I am sold on this solution. I'm willing to pay a higher price for it and purchase more than I need at the moment. I'm willing to be inconvenienced for access to it, for others to make fun of my enthusiasm over mold and mildew remover <laughs> or seek it out until my need is met, even if it's costly. It's just that awesome. How much more convicted and convinced should I be and who Jesus says he is? And how much greater should I trumpet the impact he's made on my life and what he can do in yours? Today I want to do just that in looking into five reasons to believe Jesus is not a way, but the only way to eternal life. Today, this understanding and belief is not culturally acceptable. It's viewed as narrow, exclusive, and offensive to many more than ever in your everyday comings and goings with casual conversations and intentional ones, knowing what you believe, why you believe it, and how to articulate it succinctly is a skill set that is needed. The first reason we have to believe that Jesus is the way is that scripture heralds the reality. Outside of what Jesus himself says, or those who came after him, who might just repeat what they had heard, those who followed the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, understood there was someone coming, someone who could fix our sin problem, enabling us to be at home with God forever. They were expecting a Savior, the Messiah. They were expecting one because the law and the prophets, the very words from God that they possessed, spoke of it and pointed towards it. 
In those words, you will find hundreds of prophecies that tell of the nature of this coming Savior's originality, such as the virgin birth, to the details of where he would come from, Bethlehem, of Nazareth, and even out of Egypt. It predicts the lineage from David, from the tribe of Judah, and he would teach in parables and about the way of righteousness that many would not receive his message, that one would come before him, John the Baptist, in the spirit of Elijah. That, in line with the Passover lamb, this Messiah would be the perfect, without blemish, sacrifice, and that he would suffer. These prophecies note, even down to the details of his burial and the defeat of death, Jesus alone fulfills more than what some scholars say is over 400 of these written and no less than 400 years before his birth. It's all in there. Lest you and I are told or convinced in our own minds the Old Testament has no value or relevance to Christians today, that we can just throw it all out. Jesus himself said, don't misunderstand why I've come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. That's Matthew 5:17. Overwhelmingly across the Old Testament, Jesus is the only one in history who genuinely, historically, as a historical figure even, fulfills so many prophecies that could in no way be manipulated. So the first reason to believe that Jesus is the way is that scripture heralds that reality. A second one would be the actual words of Jesus. How do we know Jesus is the way? This sounds like a kindergarten answer, but simply because he says so. (laughs) Jesus says he is. In one of the last conversations Jesus is having with his somewhat confused disciples because Jesus is preparing them for a lot of things and they just do not understand. He tells them he's going to prepare a place for them and says, you know the way to where I'm going. To which Thomas, I love him, it's almost an exasperation, says back to Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? And then probably in a manner I sometimes answer my kids when they've just asked me the same question I have been trying to explain for the last 15 minutes. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, 6. He uses several easy to understand descriptions of the same idea to help the listener understand and perceive. He's not trying to hide it in any way. Again, Jesus spoke to them in John 8, 12, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then John 3, we always go for 16. We know that one. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 17 says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. To Martha at the tomb of Lazarus, she says to him, If you'd have been here, my brother would still be alive. And even now, I know you can have what you want. And Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, Yet shall he live, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. He also says in John 10, 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. These are easy to understand, relatable analogies. He's trying to paint himself as so that people can relate to what he's trying to show them. That is the second reason 
to believe that Jesus is the way is simply because he says he is. The words that he say line up with who he says he is. The third one would be miracles. There was a discussion right after Jesus painted this word picture about being the door and the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep at the Father's bidding. It's that picture. And he says in these words, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Any rational person hearing this will hear a man say, God says I can die for someone, and I can come back to life at my own bidding. I often like to think that I would be on the believing side of the street if I had seen and heard Jesus with my own eyes and ears. I don't know about this one. I might have leaned more toward the insanity side. I think this argument they present to one another, these Jews who are going to talk this over about what they've just heard, is a good one. Many of them said, he has a demon. He is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the word of one who's possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? There it is. Evidence. Undeniable. In your face. Plainest day realities. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? That's what they're faced with. Look at all he's done. He's done miracle after miracle and place after place. The blind could see and apparently they were not quiet about it. They were talking about what Jesus has done in their life. Jesus makes the same argument a few verses later as some pick up stones and kill him. As they make this move, Jesus reminds them he's done some really good works among them. And then he asks, exactly which one of these are you going to stone me for? True blue, right there. He says, if I am not doing the works of my Father, then don't believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. The third reason to believe that Jesus is the way is beyond the words, but to look at the miracles that he performed. The fourth is to just look at the life of Jesus. You know the quirky saying that you might be the only Bible that people read today. So how you live in the day-to-day matters. With you and with me, that's terrifying. And if you're not quite bothered, even somewhat, just think your family sees and deals with you morning and evening. The text messages you send, the comments you make, the nonverbal communication that is so poignant and effective, sometimes in positive ways, sometimes not so positive ways. Thankfully, Jesus is not like us. We can hold complete confidence in more than just the words and even the miracles that he performed. We can look at the life that he lived. See how he treated women and the society in which they were disregarded. Observe his interactions with children, with the hurting, with the completely messed up. The ones who were well-versed in lives of personal gain and sinful lifestyles. The untouchables. Notice his obedience, his exquisite character, never selfish, always just, compassionate by nature, mixed with valor. Focus on his fearlessness, the boldness, the surety of who he was, and the resolute nature he held to finish what he began for the good of you and for the good of me to his own destruction. And then consider number five. He is the only candidate who could actually make it possible 
for sinful humanity to be in communion with a holy God. Jesus himself knows this, for this is why he came. But it comes clear to others in time. Peter in Acts 4 makes it clear right after the resurrection has taken place, Jesus is the only one who is able. And he says it so clearly. He says, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you. He's talking to the crowd that was in Jerusalem. The builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Paul, a little further in Acts 13, the one who persecuted the church and he persecuted those who believed what he now professes, declared this. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, this man I thought was a farce, a disgrace to the faith, a black mark on the Jewish landmark, it is through him forgiveness of sin is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. And oh, how Paul knows this to be true. And it's not a limited message of hope. John writes, he, Jesus, is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, the Jews, but also for the sins of the whole world. That's from 1 John 2, 2. And Paul chimes in to exhort Timothy as he's writing letters to him to encourage him along in ministry so that he's crystal clear on why he too can believe that Jesus is the way and the only way. He says, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Jesus is the only candidate able to be this mediator. So that's number five. So we have scripture heralds the reality, is the first to believe that Jesus is the way. The actual words of Jesus is another. And if not his words, look to the miracles that he performed uh, no one else could do this. Or you could look to his example, but then you could also consider that he's the only candidate who is able to be this mediator. But what about the person who's not so convinced? Suppose you're sitting there saying, yes, but I need facts, not feelings, not conjecture. Jesus already knew what the scripture said about riding in on a donkey. So that sort of thing doesn't count. And the parents could have manipulated situations by going to Bethlehem just in time for the birth and running out to Egypt so that that was recorded. And other prophets did similar stuff like Jesus did. Uh, what if he's just a prophet? All this so-called prophecy fulfilled is pure manipulation. Suppose that's your perspective. Well, fine. Let's think of the 400 or so. Let's be, let's be generous. Let's say there's 300, okay? That would be generous. Fine, pick eight. Select eight. You feel like there would be hard to manipulate, to make happen. For instance, you cannot manipulate the fact that the soldiers cast lots for his clothes at the foot of the cross. You can't manipulate that. It was prophesied in Psalm 22, in which Matthew tells us that the soldiers actually did that. Josh and Sean McDowell wrote a book that I highly recommend. Keep it as a reference. Keep it on your shelf. Go to it as you need it. It's called The Evidence That Demands a Verdict. It's actually been updated in which they searched out experts for what the chances were, if there could be any, happening like this simply by chance. Pure mathematical probability is what they were searching for. Could this, could any of these prophecies have happened just by sheer chance? So they went to mathematicians and they found a guy named Peter Stoner who was working in association with Robert Newman. And they wrote in a book called Science Speaks. 
about the probability of a person fulfilling any eight of the prophecies it is said Jesus fulfilled, accidentally or deliberately, either way. What are the chances, you ask? Well, they say it would be one in 10 to the 17th power. Well, that doesn't really mean anything to me, except, oh, that's a really big number. There's a lot of zeros. So Stoner, this mathematician, expresses it this way, and he writes these words. Suppose that we take 10 to the 17th power silver dollars, that many, and lay them on the face of the state of Texas. Now, I am living in the great state of Texas. It is huge. In fact, we were driving through a part of it over the weekend, and we were at one edge of the state and had been driving for about an hour into the state, and the sign said El Paso was still 923 miles away. So the other end of the state, if you just keep driving on the same road, is almost a 1,000 miles across. So it's a huge state. So if you were to lay these silver dollars on the face of Texas so that they all covered the state, it would be two feet deep. Now, mark one of these silver dollars, just pick one randomly, and then stir up the whole state. Stir up all the silver dollars in the entire state. Blindfold a man and tell him that he can travel as far as he wishes, but he must pick up one silver dollar and say that it is the right one. Blindfolded and one. What chance would he have of getting the right one? Just the same chance that the prophets would have had of writing these eight prophecies and having them all come true in any one man from their day to the present time providing they wrote using their own wisdom it's just completely impossible if you've been in a doubting position if you've been in a doubting position unsure you can actually believe jesus is the way or wavering in the belief you once held cold hard facts may help this is a spiritually discerned reality only god opens hearts and minds to believe and understand so we pray we ask for it when we think we shouldn't even be at this place in this doubting place wondering is he really the way i remember john the baptist there he sat the herald of good news, the cousin of Jesus, the one who made ready the way for the Messiah to come, sitting in a dungeon, not doing any of that which he was called to do for exactly doing what he was called to do. That's why he was sitting in the dungeon. In such a dark place, emotionally, spiritually, and physically, he sent his followers to ask Jesus a question. Are you the one? Essentially, are you the way? It's as if he's saying, I, I can't tell up from down in this dark place. Nothing has turned out like I planned. I don't even know how to believe. Are you the one? And maybe that's you. You don't even know how to believe. Consider how Jesus answered John. He didn't say, are you kidding me? What is wrong with you? He, he had none of that for him. He said, go back and tell John what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured. The deaf hear and the dead are raised to life. And the good news is being preached to the poor. And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. Now think about all you know the Messiah to be. Remember, all you have seen the one you believed was the Savior. You see, John knew this is exactly what scripture taught to look for in the coming Messiah. This man sending him this message without pointing any fingers, with only praise for this discouraged doubting follower says don't fall away because of me he might say the same thing to you or to me do you know what the messiah is supposed to look like 
what he's supposed to do, what he's supposed to accomplish. And he might ask, do I look narrow? Does the world think me to be small-minded? Does do some question how there could only be one way, one door, one truth? Then remember what you've seen and heard. Remember what you know and look to Jesus and do not fall away because of him. Five reasons to believe that Jesus is the way. To provide you with the opportunity to go beyond this moment and this session on the same topic, Truths Jesus Taught, we are offering free resources on the website. It's going to be on a bar. You can click the bar, sign up, and those resources will come directly to you. You'll be able to access a 30-day reading plan that's undated for your personal study. You can just jump right in at any time. There's also a 30-day scripture writing guide and journal pages. These are 8.5 by 11 Perfect for easy printing and sticking in a three-ring binder. There will be a link in the show notes as well as the bar across the website. Get the reading plan is what it's going to say, and that's how you get it. Next week, we're going to continue with another truth that Jesus taught. I cannot wait until then. Know that it is my pleasure and my joy to be with you. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to being with you next week on the Stirring Faith Podcast. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Stirring Faith Podcast. We plan to release a new episode once a week, and I would invite you to become a subscriber because it makes it so much easier. Please remember to rate, review, and share the podcast. You may never know the difference that you can make by just making a recommendation and sharing a resource. So please pass along what you find here. Don't keep it to yourself. It's so easy to do. Post it from Spotify into your stories. I would personally be grateful. And remember, there is more truth-saturated, gospel-centered, spiritually insightful resources at your fingertips. Just go to www.sheyearns.com where you're going to find more reading plans, videos, articles, and other resources, more than there's ever been before, to help stir more desire for God into your everyday life. I'm Cherry Strange, and it is always a pleasure to meet you here.